For those that I haven't had the opportunity to meet, I'm Adrian, one of the, the teaching pastors at Alpine, and have the pleasure of, of being with you here today and on our second week of our Seven Deadly Sins series. Now, you know, the Seven Deadly Sins, you're, you're not going to find this phrase uh, in the Bible anywhere, uh, but all the sins that are listed in this are spoken about in the Bible. And matter of fact, um, you know, it's, it's said that it was Pope Gregory who actually compiled this list together and maybe gave it that name, the, the seven deadly sins, where we've ha- got pride, envy, anger, gluttony, greed, sloth, and lust. And again, the, the Bible speaks about each of these and, and really is, is warning us about the, the dangers, the destruction that these sins cause in our life, in our relationship with God. You know, last week we, we talked about pride, and, and this week we're going to actually talk about greed. Now, now here's the thing about greed. I, I think it's, it's kind of, it's always easier to see and to point out and to evaluate the greed in other people's lives than it is in our own life. You know, it's, it's, it's funny, you know, at dinner time, most of the time, and, and often I'll, I'll just help prepare the, the plates. Now, I don't do any of the cooking. Kids won't eat my cooking, but I've been blessed with the wife that can cook all kinds of things, and, and so I'll actually help serve the plates at least. And um, what I'll do is, is sometimes I'll, I'll, put, or I'll put more food on a plate, right? So I'll serve up all the, all the plates, and then I'll put them on the counter, and then that's when I call my kids to, to come and, and grab their, their plate. And occasionally, I'll make one plate look like it has a little bit more or make one plate looks like it has a little bit less. Now, eat, all the plates have enough on them, right? There's, there's plenty. Nobody's going to starve by picking the wrong plate. But sometimes I like to see how, how they react. You know, maybe I'll call them up one by one and just kind of observe them as they kind of look at the plates on the counter and, and decide which plate they're going to take. Or I'll call them all up at the same time and, and kind of see what happens as, as maybe they all go for, for the same plate. You know, it's like I'm, I'm kind of evaluating where my kids are, maybe evaluating how greedy my kids are. But I don't know if it's funny or sad that I don't evaluate the greed my own greed, as well as I evaluate my kids' greed. And so I want to, for us to do that today, to evaluate ourselves. We're not, we're not thinking about our kids. We're not thinking about our spouse. We're not thinking about the annoying person at work. We're thinking about ourselves and, and really evaluating our own greed in our own lives. And, and to do that, I want to kind of start off with some potential symptoms of greed, right? If you've got greed in your life, these are some potential symptoms that you might see. First one is this. If you're willing to do illegal or immoral things to gain something, that's probably a pretty good indicator that you've got a greed problem, right? If, if you're more concerned about money than your character, if you're more concerned about earning money than your character, you probably have a greed problem. If you're willing to sacri- sacrifice relationships for something, for some kind of possession or, or maybe some kind of position, 
you've probably got a greed problem. You know, and to be honest, I, I think these are pretty, I, I don't think anybody would question those, right? Those seems pretty clear, pretty straightforward. But, but in reality, I, I think greed can be a little bit more sly, right? I, I think greed can be a little bit more deceptive to us. And so let's, let's kind of start by, let's define what greed is. So the Webster's, uh, Merriam-Webster's Dictionary defines greed as a selfish and excessive de desire for more of something than is needed, you know, such as, such as, as money. So greed is a, a selfish desire for something. It, it could be money, but it, but it could be something else. It could be fame. It, it could be recognition. It, it could be a selfish desire for love for acceptance, for, uh, for a promotion, for success, for property, possession. I mean, greed can, it's not just money, right? We can find greed in the desire for a lot of things, right? A desire for a lot of things. You know, sometimes I, I think we, we find ourselves in a place where we think greed is just something that, that rich people deal with, Right? But, but if you notice here in this definition, greed has, has nothing to do with, with how much you have or how much you don't have, right? You can have everything and still be greedy. You can have nothing and be greedy as well. You see, because greed is a heart issue, right? Greed is a heart issue. Remember the definition there, it says it's excessive desire, but desire comes from the heart. Desire comes from the heart. See, we were created in, in kind of in two parts, right? We, we were created with a physical body. God created us with a physical body. And that, that body has a, a lifespan and it passes away. But we are also created with the spirit, right? And, and I believe that that spirit... It, it had a beginning, but that spirit has no end. I believe God created us, our spirits, to live forever. Now, our, our bodies have needs, and our, our spirit has needs. Now, when we think about, about satisfying our, our body's needs, it, it can be a little bit easier, right? I mean, God created this world, and, and God uses this world to, to provide for our physical needs. When you get cold, you can, you can put on a sweater, when you get hungry, you can find something to eat and, and satisfy those physical needs. But the, the spiritual needs are a little bit different because God didn't create the world to satisfy our spiritual needs. You see, God created our spirits to be in relationship with him, to, to be connected with him. God's design for our spirits was that he would be the one that our connection with him, our relationship with him, would provide for the needs of our spirit. See, and this is where greed begins to deceive us, right? This is where greed gets kind of, kind of tricky. Because look at what, um, what Graham Tomlin says in, in his book, The Seven Deadly Sins, about greed. He says, Greed tries to satisfy the restless soul with things that were never meant to satisfy it. And, the tempor and temporarily, at least, silences the desire for God that is the clue and pathway to true happiness. 
greed tries to satisfy the restless soul with things that were never meant to satisfy it. Have you ever wanted something uh, so bad, thought you needed something so bad that, like, you sacrificed to get it, right? You, you sacrificed to get it. And then when you finally got it, 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 it didn't satisfy or, or turn out like you thought it would. You know, several years ago at my job, I was, um, you know, other project managers at my job got these, these cool big iPads, right? And so they're, they're redlining drawings and, and, and using this iPad, and I didn't get one. You know, at the time, I guess I was a scrub. I wasn't on the list. So I didn't get one, but I, I was jealous. You know, I, I wanted one. It was cool. I mean, it was... You know, I wanted one, even if it would just sit on my desk and I acted like I would use it. I wanted one. And so I started looking. Well, if they're not going to get me one, I'm going to get something that's better. So I started looking, kind of researching computers, and, and I found this device that was called the EV, right? The EV, and it was supposed to be this technologically at the top of the line, right? It, it wasn't made by, by just corporations. It was made by, by people just like me with the best technical stuff. It was solving all the problems that, you know, the Surface Pro has, you know, the, and all that stuff. And so I, I, I saved up the money. I decided I'm getting that. And I'm going to use it at work. And it's going to work better than anything anybody else has. Well, I purchased it. Then they had, um, you know, had problems, developmental problems, and they had delays. And, you know, after about a year and a half, I finally got it. I, I finally got it. Now, where do you think that Eve V, that, that revolutionary piece of equipment that I was going to use at work and use at home and technologically advanced, where do you think it sits right now? <laughs> Most people don't know what a beta deck is, but... I know what you're talking about. It's sitting on the shelf collecting dust. I mean, the truth about it is, is by the time I got it, it was outdated. You know, by the time I got to use it, it didn't work exactly like I wanted to. And the truth was, the iPad was better than the EV. I was disappointed. I was disappointed. You see, this is what we experience when we try to satisfy our spiritual needs with things from the world because they were never created to satisfy them. Now, granted, when, when we do this, we, we do experience a little bit of satisfaction, but it never lasts, just like my EV computer. It doesn't last you see, and as a result, our desires, right, this dissatisfaction, the, the desires for fulfillment, for satisfaction continue to grow, continue to grow. And we get caught up in this, this lie of greed that we can somehow satisfy it if we can just get more. Right? If we could just get more fame, that desire of our spirit, the needs of our spirit can just be satisfied. If we could just get more recognition at work, we will find satisfaction, right? If we could just get more love, if we could just get more acceptance, if we could just get more things, we'll, we'll finally feel that, that satisfaction that seems fleeting. 
will finally last. But you see, the truth is only God can satisfy our spiritual needs. That's how he created us. You see, greed, greed is a false pathway to enjoying life built on the lie that this life is all there is. See, this idea that we can satisfy these spiritual needs we have on earth blinds us, right? Blinds us, just like what, uh, what Graham Tomlin said, it, it silences our desire for God. We get so caught up seeking after these things, we forget. I mean, maybe we don't even know. But even when we, we know, I, I think sometimes we forget that these, these desires, these needs of our spirit can only be satisfied in a relationship from God. And it kind of happens. It begins to happen in our life in subtle ways, right? Not, not drastic ways like the examples we first mentioned about greed, but in more subtle ways. Think of this. So if your, your finances are increasing, right? Your, your finances are beginning to look good. There's, a, there's an upward swing in your finances, but you're drifting away from God. It's probably greed, it's probably greed. If you find yourself complaining more than giving thanks for what you do have, it's probably greed. It's probably greed. See, if you're more generous in your, your tips to your bartender or your, your waiter or waitress, than you are to those things that you're giving back to God, it's probably greed. If you find yourself discontented with where God has you in your life and you feel like he is not providing for you, it's probably greed. See, greed is deceptive. And it's dangerous because it traps us in looking away from God for provision. Jesus warned us about greed in, in Luke chapter 12, verse 15. He said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. You see, greed looks different. doesn't always look the same. Guard yourself against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. You see, this was Jesus' response to a man that, that actually interrupted him when he was talking to a crowd of people about what God wanted to do for them. You know, he was, he was explaining to this crowd of people that, that every single one of them was, was more precious than a sparrow, that, that every single one of them was more precious than, than anything that he had created and that he knew the, the number of hairs on each of their head, right? He was, he was describing to them how important they were to God and how much God wanted a relationship with them. And in the middle of this, this, this conversation, in the middle of Jesus talking to this crowd of people about this, this man stands up and says, teacher, 
Tell my brother to give me some of my father's inheritance, to give me my inheritance, right? Obviously, his, his dad had passed away, and I guess he was quarreling with his brother because he wanted some of the property. In the middle of, of Jesus explaining how much God loved them, this man couldn't even hear it. He was consumed with greed. He was consumed with the desire for possessions, the desire for things, and didn't even hear the message of God. I'm sure he had all kinds of reasons why he, maybe he needed it or, or all kinds of reasons of, of what he was going to do for, with it for, for other people. Who knows? But I think what we hear is that he could not even hear Jesus pointing him to the way that he could be satisfied because he was consumed with greed. And to help kind of explain his point, explain the dangers of greed, Jesus begins to tell this story. He says, and, and I'll sit, well, then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all the wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. You will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. You see, we've got a, he, Jesus is telling the story, trying to drive his point home, the dangers of greed. He's got this, this very successful farmer, right? His, his barns are full. He's had an incredible year of, of crops and he's got more goods to, to put in that barn, but his barns aren't big enough. And what this man decides to do is, is he's actually going to tear down his old barns, build new barns so that he can store everything that has come in, everything that has come in. And he's going to sit back, be satisfied, and live out the rest of his days eating, drinking, and, and being merry. But Jesus calls him a fool. Now, now, why did Jesus call him a fool? I mean, it's important for us to understand that we don't get the wrong idea. You see, Jesus is not calling him a fool because he was successful. Right? Jesus is not calling him a fool because God chose to bless him with a bountiful crop. Right? Jesus is, is not calling him a fool because this guy has figured out how to run business and, again, has is, is become very successful. He's not even calling him a, a fool for enjoying the, the rewards of his hard labor. See, Jesus said, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. See, this man didn't have a relationship with God. 
See, he, he had put all his hope. He had put all his hope in the things that he had collected. He was relying on the, the things that he had collected, the things he'd been able to store away to meet his needs. Now, yes, they could meet his physical needs. He had plenty to eat. He had plenty of money. But those worldly things could do nothing to meet the needs of his spirit. And when his life was called that night, he had nothing. He had nothing. You see, this man's greed, because it blinded him to where satisfaction comes from for our spirit, what meets the needs of our spirit, his greed had blinded him to the truth that he needed God. You see, greed is destructive on every level. Individually, in our families, and, and in our society. I mean, that's a good example of how greed can destroy a man when you're so caught up in your greed that you're, you're wanting things and neglecting a relationship with God. I mean, think about it. Our, our economy is built on the idea that we need more stuff, right? I mean, so we're bombarded every single day with the idea that if we can, if we can buy more goods we'll be happier. If we, can, if, we can, if we can just get the newest iPhone, that's going to make us happy, right? We're going to find satisfaction in that. You know, if we, can just, if we can just buy this, we'll be more successful. If we can buy that, it'll make us look better, make us feel better, make us be better, right? Our, our whole economy is built on the idea of us purchasing things purchasing things. Now, that's not bad in itself. I like having a variety of clothes to wear. I like having a variety of cars to pick from when I need a car, right? The, it's not bad in itself. It only becomes bad when we think that it's going to satisfy our needs, when we think that it's going to satisfy our spiritual needs, it's only bad when our greed for things blinds us to the need of God. And what about our families? I mean, we, in the story, we saw an example of it, how uh, somebody, how greed had torn a family apart. I mean, how many times have we seen that? When, when parents pass away and the siblings are, are fighting over what's left over because of greed. They want possessions. They want things because they've been caught up in the lie that the more things they can collect, that it's somehow going to satisfy those desires within them. I mean, how many times or how many families have been torn apart by a parent's desire, a parent's greed, right, that has pulled them away from the family, staying at work late, taking that extra trip, right? And they're saying that they're doing it for the family, but in reality, they're, they're doing it for position or, or for material things, right? I mean, greed in so many ways destroys families. How many times has greed destroyed families by families stealing from one another? 
Greed is destructive. And we see it socially as well, in our society as well. Right? I'm a believer that if it wasn't for greed, slavery would have never existed. Slavery existed because of greed. And we still are working through the consequences of that greed today. I mean, why do you think that we have uh, child labor laws? Those were developed because of greed. Because people desired money and possessions and they were willing to get it any way they could, even by abusing other people, by abusing children. I mean, we have greed in corporations today even, right? Still, making as much money as they can without actually sharing some of that or more of that with the people that are helping them make it. That's why we have minimum wage. You you can disagree whether you agree with the policy or not. There's a reason it's there. It's because of greed. People were willing to take in tons of income without sharing it to the people that were helping them make it. That's why minimum wage was developed. So we can see the impact in ourselves, in our families, in our society. Greed is destructive. No matter how you slice it, greed is destructive. So how do we avoid the trap and the destruction of greed? The antidote to greed is not poverty, but generosity. Looking outward to give to others in need. See, the the solution isn't for our society to decide that we will no longer make things available to purchase. Right? It's not the answer to to say that we'll just simply wipe everything out and uh, there will be nothing to purchase. You just get just get what you need, and that's it, and everything will be fair. That's not the solution for greed. The solution for greed against greed is for all of us, instead of looking inward, is to look outward and help others. See, by, by, by looking outward, being willing to help others, we're putting ourselves in a position where we're trusting that God is going to provide, that God is going to provide for our needs. This is what Jesus told his disciples in chapter 12, verse 33. He said, um, sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven. And the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it. No moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your hearts will also be. Remember, greed is a heart issue. Greed is a heart issue. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. You know, it's interesting that Actually, in Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 45, we actually read that in the early church, they did this. Sell all your possessions, right? Sell your possessions. I mean, I don't know how many of you that, that kind of, that makes nervous, like selling everything you got is the solution for, for greed. I mean, it, I'll be honest with you, I, I'd fight against that a little bit. But we see it in the early church. This is what it says in Acts 2.45. It says, they sold their property and possessions and shared the money 
with those in need. Now, I don't believe that when it says that, that it means that those individuals in the early church that sold their possessions, sold everything that they had and became destitute themselves. I don't believe that's what happened. But see, what it was is people in the early church were not looking to earthly possessions, earthly things to satisfy the needs of their spirit, to satisfy the needs of their life. They were looking to God for that. And because they had the right perspective, they weren't tricked by greed that the earthly things would somehow satisfy their needs. So they had the right perspective, and so they were willing to let go of some of their possessions when they saw that people were in need and that they could sell those things to help people out. They were willing to do it. I believe that's what happened. They were valuing others. They were valuing God's creation people over their possessions. They had the proper perspective. See, I believe that this is what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about having the, the proper perspective of where you're putting your trust, right? Where you're putting your treasure. I mean, think back to the story of the, the, the farmer, right? That his treasure was in those barns. Right? His treasure, his, his livelihood, his future, everything he had to look forward to was stored in those barns. Now, I believe that if God wouldn't have called him that night, if his life wouldn't have ended that night, you know what he would have woke up the next morning doing? Worrying about his treasure. He would have woke up the next morning worrying about whether, his, his, whether somebody was going to come in and try to steal it. Whether, whether it was going to be ruined by flood or by fire, he was going to be worried about losing that treasure because that's where he put his hope. That's where he had put his hope. You see, the ultimate end to everything in this world is that it won't last. And so Jesus is telling us to put our treasure in God, put it in heaven where God doesn't get eaten by moths. You can't steal from him. He doesn't grow old. He doesn't die. It doesn't wither away. Where are you looking at for the fulfillment of your desires and your needs? Is it in heaven? where the treasure can't be robbed? Or is it on earth where it can be eaten by moths, where it can be robbed, where it can be destroyed, where it's fleeting? And just to make sure that we're clear, putting our hope in God to meet our needs not being greedy and seeking after the collections of things on earth to somehow meet the the spiritual needs that we have that we can never satisfy on earth, doesn't mean that we don't work hard. It doesn't mean that we don't desire to be successful. It it doesn't mean that that we don't uh, plan for retirement or, or save money, right? It doesn't mean that we don't fight for that promotion, 
doesn't mean that we don't start our own businesses and, 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 and basically do the work hard for the glory of God. It just simply means that we don't look to these things as the source of our satisfaction and happiness. We look to God. Paul shared this to, to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, 17. It says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. You see, in a way, our generosity shows us what kind of perspective we have. Remember at the beginning of the message, I said we're looking at ourselves and the many different ways that greed might be in our hearts. And I think this is a key one, is that our generosity really shows us what we're looking to for satisfaction, for the fulfillment of our needs. Are we looking towards material possessions, things of this world? Are we, trying, are we feeding this kind of insatiable hunger for things that will never satisfy us? Or are we looking to God to meet our needs? You see, Jesus was the most generous person ever to live because he gave up everything for us. He left the riches of heaven to be born as a man, lived in, in poverty as a man, and then ultimately gave up his life so that we could be forgiven of our sins. That by putting our trust in him, we could have a relationship with God. And it's this relationship with God that he promises will satisfy all of our needs. Not only our spiritual needs, but God promises to satisfy our physical needs as well. By putting our trust in Jesus is the key to finding true happiness and satisfaction in this life. To do anything else to fall in and be deceived by greed. 